Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. I don't really know where to start here tonight. I got. I feel like I could go anywhere. There is a lot on my mind. There's a lot going on in the sports world right now that's interesting to me. I only had a half hour yesterday, so I didn't get too much into the Bills. I got a little heated on Zay Jones, if you didn't hear my show last night. I, that happened. Um, so you could, yeah, I could start Bills here. I could start Sabres, you know, the, the show up in the Bulldog. They spent the last half, hour and a half or so going over the Sabres. Thursday's the opener. I could do two hours on that, really, if I wanted to. Um, there's this R- Richard Sherman, Draymond Green comments about the NCAA that I find really interesting. Vander Kane versus the linesman is interesting. And there's this map. Have you seen this map of each state in the United States is and what the top candy is in that state? And North Dakota is baked beans. That could be two hours. I'm going to try to get to all of it. I do want to start though with the Bills because uh, I do want to get uh, I want to get into the Sabers at some point there, and once I get rolling on the Sabers, sometimes it's hard for me to stop. So let's get into the Bills a little bit. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. Any reaction you got left over from Bills Patriots on Sunday? Any reaction left over from the hit on Josh Allen by Jonathan Jones? Um, the team itself right now, I think we're thinking on a short term basis right now with the Bills because they're three and one, and this is a real season. A lot of times in my life, in my experience, you get to four games in and it's, uh, you know, it could happen, but what are we really? What are we for the long term? What are we over the course of the season? And a lot of this is because of Josh Allen's health status with a concussion. But Matt Barkley versus Josh Allen, how much does it really matter for their odds to beat the Titans on Sunday? Because I get the feeling that for me personally, it's a drop off. My expectation for them to win goes down a bit, but not a whole lot. I think the Bills have an identity, and I think their identity for this season is their defense is legit. Their defense is one of the best in football. They held Tom Brady, the best quarterback in NFL history, who, yeah, 42, is still looking amazing. The Bills were the first team to make Tom Brady look like a 40-year-old man. 
Because they did that on Sunday. They were in his face. They were confusing him. They were disrupting him. They were... Micah Hyde makes a pick on him. That's a, that's a throw a rookie makes, and that's a spot by Tom Brady. They owned him. They owned him. And if that's your defense, and you're going to go forward with that, this team is going to be right around the playoffs almost no matter what their offense does. Like As long as they're respectable, they'll be fine. I spent... I, I'm a guy that goes through the schedule and looks at the quarterback matchups a lot. You've probably heard me talk about it on the show if you ever listen. So you go game by game, and what does your quarterback matchup look like? Let's, let's look at a little update on that. And keep while going through the update on this, keep in mind that the Bills held Tom Brady to nine points. Nine. They play Mariota. No, I'm not a fan of him at all. I think they could be they could they should be able to hold him within two scores at least. Josh Rosen in Miami. That's a cakewalk. Wentz, that's tough. So there's a good one. Dwayne Haskins, who man, listen, the Redskins were pressuring him to get in there. Their season's basically over already. But Jay Gruden might have had a point when he said Dwayne Haskins wasn't ready. Did you see Dwayne Haskins on Sunday? If you didn't, watch some of the highlights. He was not ready. He is not ready. And you're, you can't put Case Keenum back in, can you? I guess you could, but it's not like I'm scared of Case Keenum anyway. Washington, that's a cakewalk. Then there's Mayfield and Cleveland. They've been a little inconsistent this year, but I would be a little afraid of Mayfield. So there's two good quarterbacks you play. There's Rosen again. There's Flacco. This Bills defense should smother Joe Flacco. That could be a shutout. Dak Prescott. Yeah, take it or leave it with Dak Prescott. Sometimes I like him, sometimes I don't. And Sunday Night Football is one of those games where it was the best defense he played all season, so maybe that could be another feather in the cap. Hey, Prescott, eh, it's some easy matchups. He plays a good defense in New Orleans, and look what he looked like. He looked like a game manager. So the Bills should make him look like that, I think. I wouldn't expect Dak Prescott to have a good game against the Bills, even if it is in Dallas. Lamar Jackson, eh, a little terrifying, you know, we'll see. But he's come back down to earth a little bit. It's not great. Mason Rudolph, this Bills defense should own Mason Rudolph. There's New England again. Hey, it's Tom Brady, but few times in a row here, the Bills defense seems to know what they're doing when they're playing Tom Brady. And Ross Tucker said something today with Chopin the Bulldog I thought was interesting. He was right. They've played Brady well, but not like Sunday. They played Brady well. That was dominating Brady on Sunday. They dominated Tom Brady on Sunday. That is what makes the loss even more frustrating because that happened. So there's New England in Week 16. And then you got Sam Darnold and the Jets in Week 17. We'll see what kind of shape he's in at that point. I like Darnold, so I'm not going to say that's a cakewalk. But it's not impossible either. It's not like you're playing any of these elite quarterbacks. They don't play Patrick Mahomes. They don't play Russell Wilson. They don't play Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford. They don't play Phillip Rivers. They don't play, uh, they don't even play, hell, they don't play Jacoby Brissett. He's look good. They don't even play him. They don't play anybody. They play young quarterbacks, and they play bad quarterbacks, for the most part. Wentz, Mayfield, Jackson, Brady. Four quarterbacks left on the schedule that you might think could respectably put something up on this Bills defense. Like, there's some quarterbacks in the league where it's like, no matter who they play, no matter who they play, they're a threat to put up a big score. I'm looking at this schedule, and I'm looking at what this Bills defense has looked like through four games. People are not going to score on them this season. They're going to be number one in the league in defense, I bet. 
Total defense, I would not be surprised at all if they're number one in total defense. In fact, I'd be pretty surprised if they're outside the top five. That's the identity of this team. And how much does Allen versus Barkley change that? It does It does to a, an extent. It takes away part of your offense. Part of the Bills' offense is Josh Allen's mobility, his ability to extend plays, and his really his arm strength. And that goes away. Because even though Allen is not connected on the deep ball, it's been clear through four games, the defenses are still respecting it, the safeties are back there, and in fact, they're picking them off, so it's working. But they're back there, and they're respecting it. Matt Barkley, hey, he doesn't really have the same arm strength. I don't think safeties have to think about it as much. He doesn't have the mobility. You don't have to put a spy on him if you don't want. Um, If you get the four-man rush that you want, then he's going to collapse in the pocket, and you should be able to get to him. Maybe Allen's hit a little bit of the offensive line uh, this season. Cody Ford's been struggling. Maybe you would see it more clearly if Allen wasn't getting away from the guy that beats Cody Ford all the time. Who knows? What do they need to be on offense, though? That's the that's the story at the end of the day. When they play a team like Tennessee on Sunday, who's a middling team, they're always in the mix, right? The Tennessee Titans, they're always in the mix. They're never a real threat to do anything serious, but they're right there. They're 9-7, and 8-8 eight and eight most of the time. In fact, haven't they been 97 three years in a row? When you play a team like that on Sunday, and you should, at this point, expect to hold them within, what, 21 points? Is that fair to say? I should expect the Bills are able to hold Marcus Mariota to within 21 points. What do I need for my offense? I need average. And that's all I need. I need average from the offense. And I'm not convinced that Matt Barkley can't give you that. I'm not convinced that... I do think Allen's a better quarterback right here, right now. But I'm not convinced that the gap is all that large. Allen has been really careless with the football. Really careless. The hero ball part of his brain is not beaten out yet. It is still there. So, that takes away from a lot of his positive plays with the negative plays. It really does. And Barkley throws picks too, but he's not trying to play hero ball. It's a different type of quarterback. And I think about that Jet game last season. And I'm thinking about, hey, he's capable of putting a solid performance together. I think Allen gives you it more often, but Barkley's capable. I think as far as backups go, the drop-off is a drop-off. I want to make sure I keep making that clear. I do think it's a drop-off, but I don't think it's as much as a lot of teams around the league would see. Like, if Dak Prescott got hurt tomorrow and the Cowboys had to start Cooper Rush, whew, I'm not picking them to beat almost anybody. If Aaron Rodgers got hurt tomorrow, obviously, who's their backup? Is Scott Tolzien still there? Massive drop-off. In fact, oh, who's, uh, who's the Cleveland guy? Deshaun Kaiser, see their backup? Massive drop-off. Mahomes, if he got hurt, I mean, the Chiefs season's over. Brady. Even the young guys. Lamar Jackson, if he got hurt tomorrow, RG3? Yeah, maybe that's actually a good one. Maybe RG3 is not the worst, uh, worst, uh, the the best example for that. But I just, all this to say, I'm just as confident that they could beat the Titans as I am with Allen because I think your recipe for beating a team like the Titans is to dominate them with your defense and just score enough points to win. Kind of like what you did against the Bengals. Kind of like what you did against the Giants. Kind of like what you did against the Jets. That's going to be the Bills' recipe for success, I think, going forward. Unless Allen if healthy, takes that next big jump. He's made improvements. 
He's took a, he's taken a step forward. He has not taken a jump. He's taken a step. He's not taken a jump. So, unless that happens, this Bills team will re- be relying on their defense. I think. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. Um, all that being said, you know I am intrigued by their offense. I am impressed that they have overnight over one off season gotten a lot better. They were historically bad on offense last season. This offense through four games, it hasn't been great. It hasn't even been really that good, but it's been okay. It's been okay. They moved the ball when they needed to move the ball. Fourth quarters, they're they've shown the ability to be able to throw themselves back into games. So then that way they're a well-versed offense. They're just not really great at any one particular thing. They're not great right now at stretching the ball downfield. They're not they're they're in fact, the best thing they might be at is running the football with 50-year-old Frank Gore. Man, how funny is that? Frank Gore is, like, we got, it's 2019. We're here in Buffalo. I call I screen calls during the afternoon show and postgame, and we got people calling in about getting Frank, ball, Frank Gore the ball more. More. Kind of forgot about Devin Singletary. Gore's doing great. It's part of the reason I wanted McCoy out of here the whole time. I thought Gore was better than him last season. It was clear. It's not like the Dolphins had a good offensive line, and there was a big difference in how efficient they were. And Gore's proving that right now. McCoy's doing fine in Kansas City, but it's Kansas City. You can you drive a truck through those holes. Gore's doing a good job here in uh, here in Buffalo, I think. And he's breaking tackles. He looks he looks like Frank Gore. So I can rely on the run game to some extent, and I am impressed with some of the pass game. Dawson Knox looks like a beast. He really does. He has got athleticism. Uh, he is doing stuff that rookie tight ends a lot of times don't do. That's one position where it takes a little bit longer for those guys to develop and get acclimated into the NFL. You look, even look look at Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey didn't really show up until his second, third year. Um, Eric Ebron was a high first round pick. He didn't show up until like last season. Like it's, sometimes it takes guys a really long time. And here's Dawson Knox. He's a rookie and he's doing he's doing well. As far as a Bills starting tight end goes, he's right on par with what we've had before, and he's a rookie. He's better than Charles Clay was last season. He gives you about as much as Scott Chandler used to. Even when Charles Clay first got here and he was really good. Or pretty good. Like Dawson Knox is doing that for you. So he's one guy I'm really impressed with so far this season. One other guy, though, on the offense that I got to touch on again. I got into it last night. Is Zay Jones. And... You know, I, I'm not going to get super into it again today. I thought I've said my piece last night. Um, if you want to check that out, it's on demand at WGR550.com. It's just so simple. It should be so simple. He should not be on the field. You have a second-year wide receiver with some athletic gifts in Robert Foster who performed for you last season. He was on a 1,000-yard pace for eight touchdowns at 56 catches from weeks 10 on, I think it is. He was doing great, and he can't get on the field. Now, I know he was hurt on Sunday, so that matters, but the other three games, one target, one little target. You've got to be kidding me. He is so much better than Zay Jones at everything but blocking. And what am I doing if I should never be in a spot where a wide receiver is on the field over somebody else because of his blocking? Give me a break. This is 2019. We are not trying to play 70s football. 
We're not trying to play smash mouth football. We need guys, the Bills need guys that can get open. The Bills need guys that can bail out their young quarterback when he doesn't make a perfect throw. They need guys that can bail out their backup quarterback when he doesn't make a perfect throw. And time in and time out and again and again and again, Zay Jones has proven he can't bail out his quarterback if it's a bad throw or if it's a an off-target throw. The second game of his career. The first time we really maybe even had a discussion about Zay Jones. It was debating whether it was more on him or more on Tyrod Taylor when at the end of the Carolina Panthers game in 2017, the ball is there and he can't come up with it. Or is that 2018? 2017. He can't come up with it. And to me, it was always, hey, listen, Tyrod is, he was originally a training camp arm. He's your starter now. He's doing the best he can. He is not a franchise quarterback. Zay Jones was a guy you traded up for in the second round where lots of receivers come into the league and flourish. He needs to make that catch. And that has been the beginning of a pattern over the course of his career. If the ball is not right in his hands, he is not catching it. And I've got a guy in Robert Foster that I think has more of an ability in that sense. And I have a guy in the practice squad with Duke Williams, who I think I know, you got to know he's better at that than at least Zay is. He might not be better at getting open, but he's got to be better at contested catches. So, if it comes down to getting open, like Zay Zay gets open, he does, but what does it matter if he's catching 40-50% of the balls? And I've got two other receivers that get open. I, I have that. John Brown gets open. Cole Beasley gets open. And if you're not getting open as often as those guys are, then a lot of times what you are is a last resort for your quarterback. It's, okay, no one's open. Where's my biggest receiver on the field? That cannot be Zay Jones anymore. It can't be. And I don't need you to invest a lot in a guy like that, you know, that type of receiver, the the last, the last resort guy, the last jump ball guy. But Zay Jones cannot be it. He can't. Get him off the field. And maybe, just maybe, this offense can be a little bit more consistent than it's been through the first four games. 803-0550 is the phone number. I'll take your calls in the Bills when we come back. Look ahead to the Titans a little bit. Do you think they should be able to beat the Titans? If Matt Barkley is the quarterback, what should their odds be? What should the line be if Matt Barkley is their quarterback? How much does this really hurt their chance to win the game? 803-0550 is the phone number. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We'll get into the Sabres a little bit later, too, here on WGR. Pro. He's been a pro in the meeting rooms. Uh, he's got two older guys that, that are good football players, but good pros, too. Um, you know, Zay's fit right in. He has his role, um, just like everybody does. Um, and we all got to do a better job with it. Zay's worked really hard. I mean, there's a couple plays here that uh, I think, like I told you before, I'd like to have back. Everybody would like to have back. Um, you know, Zay's a hard worker. He's going to keep giving everything he's got. 
That's Bill's offensive coordinator, Brian Dable. At the end of the day, I, it's the NFL, right? If the thing that's keeping you in your job is hard work, then what, what are we doing? Everyone's working hard, or almost everybody. Maybe not Kelvin Benjamin. So if that was the standard, then he's meeting that. But how about being good at football? <laughs> how, about, how about that? How about instead of being a pro and instead of being a hard worker, how about you just be good? Is that too much to ask? It's it's the worst logic ever. I hope he doesn't mean it. Guys should not be earning starting jobs based on how hard they work. It should be, how good are you? Isn't this simple? Stuff you learn in in, in kindergarten. Playing uh, P, uh, squirt football, whatever it is. What's it called? Pop Warner. The guys who are better get the ball. That's just how it is. It's all right. It's fair. Not with Zay Jones. The guy can't do anything on the field, and he keeps getting rewarded by being a starting wide receiver on this team. What would it take? What will it, what will it take to get this guy off the field? Because for a long time now, he can't bring in tough catches. He can't help out his quarterback. And he keeps playing. So maybe maybe he'll just keep playing no matter what. Anyways, the offense in general, the Bills in general, how do you think about him against Tennessee? Uh, what are you looking forward to? Uh, Matt Barkley, how much does it change for you if Barkley's in instead of Allen? Let me know at 803-0550. Let's go to Jonathan and Alden. What's up, Jonathan? You're on the nightcap. Hey, Joe. Um, first things first, I want to offer my condolences to Jeremy White. I have thoughts and prayers with you, man. But anyhow, um, I want to say um, I'm, I don't think Barkley's going to make that much of a difference. I still think the Bills are going to win with this defense. I'm pretty optimistic about the Bills making the playoffs and um, because I think they have average offense, and I think Allen and Barkley can provide average offense and with a great defense as a playoff team. However, I am very concerned from what I've seen from Josh Allen. I mean, yes, I know it's the Patriots. Yes, I know Allen's the only person to score a touchdown against them since um, the AFC Championship game. And, yes, Zay Jones needs to go and he needs better receivers. But watching Josh Allen, that was Wyoming Josh. That was what we were fearing of Josh Allen when we first drafted him. So I really hope Allen can work out that part of his game. But, I mean, I but, but I am a little concerned. I know it's New England, but I'm still a little concerned about Allen. Yeah, thanks for the call, Jonathan. I mean, that's why I've never been sold on him to this point as the franchise quarterback. It's way too early for me. You know, some guys show up right away. It's like, okay, that's the guy. Mahomes, you saw it immediately in, uh, in Kansas City. I thought that about Russell Wilson. I remember when he first pop- came onto the scene, in his one of his first games, I'm like, that guy's a franchise quarterback. Just look at him. So easy to tell. And some guys are harder to tell. Some guys, by the way, are easy to tell that they're not. I thought that about EJ almost immediately. I thought that about Teddy Bridgewater, by the way, with the Vikings. Like, those two guys always stick out for me as guys that they showed up immediately. I'm like, these guys aren't franchise quarterbacks. There's just something about it. The way they threw the football, their delivery, their decision-making, how their offenses were run around them. It was always run-oriented. Some guys are tougher. Some guys are tougher to figure out. And I think Allen is one of those. And we haven't figured it out yet. Part of the reason for that is the hero ball. Part of the reason for that is taking the sacks he did against New England uh, oftentimes. 
Part of it is the turnovers. And part of it is missing open receivers like he did multiple times uh, last week. We always knew accuracy was an issue with him. If you didn't, then you were just blindly uh, hoping, I guess. He's got accuracy issues. He's got turnover issues. And right now, that's holding him back from, I think, everyone, and even the Bills, you know, knowing 100% that this is the guy. You're optimistic. You can be optimistic. I'm optimistic, but Sunday's is is a is a performance uh, an example of why I'm not sold yet. Let's go to Aziz. Z, you're on the uh, you're on the nightcap. What's up, Aziz? Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, Good. You taking my call? Um, I sure. I wanted to go on like like a mini rant about like as far as Josh Allen's development. You know, he, he seems like he's regressing, you know, and and I think you made a good point about, like, telling if somebody's a franchise quarterback. Just you can almost kind of, I mean, to, to judge somebody off their first game or, like, first couple games is unfair. But you can almost kind of get, you know, a good feeling. I mean, like, his stat lines since the end of this, end of last season, I mean, th- th- I think all the games he played last season have kind of been all similar, you know, and he, he seems like he's struggling with the same stuff that he's supposed to be working on, like, you know, taking the, the three steps drops and planting his feet before he throws like that, that game, game against the giants where he missed, he overthrew Zay Jones. If he would have just sat in the pocket, he had plenty of time and just delivered a nice throw, kept his feet planted. That would have been an easy touchdown. So, I mean, we can, we can, you know, we can use people like Zay Jones as a scapegoat and stuff. I honestly think this offense might be in, might be in some trouble if he doesn't, you know, if he doesn't step up his game or, you know, because they they can't even open up the they can't even open up the playbook like they want to. You know, he's not he's not making accurate throws whatsoever. So, what do you think of that? If we don't, what do you think? I also think if we don't have Devin Singletary healthy next game, it might be an issue. Also, uh, Aziz, thanks for the call. The, the last point I'll touch on first. I, I'm fine with what they are at running back, uh, even if Singletary's not there. I want Singletary. He's my favorite of the three backs. I think he's the one with the most upside. I think he's the most dynamic of the three. But Gore has played well, and Yeldon. Uh, as long as he's not fumbling, he's played well too. So I think they're okay there. Obviously, you'd want to have Singletary. When it comes to uh, the accuracy and it comes to the consistency, that is, you're right, kind of what's holding back this offense right now. That Jet game, when they came out firing, was it 20, 18, 19 throws in a, in a row to start the game? Dable wants to air it out. He wants to. But I don't think he thinks that he can open it up yet completely because... Allen's just not consistent enough for it yet. And maybe he'll never be. But maybe he will. He's just consistent enough, I think, to do it sometimes. And maybe more times than not. Like, they have not been a run-first offense this season. They haven't been. And that's something to to aspire to. And they're there. Now, you want to throw it, I think, a little bit more. You want to be a little bit more productive in the passing game. But they are trying to be a passing offense. And, you know, through four games... I would say in at least half the time, you know, there's a couple quarters they disappear in the first three games. They didn't do much in last week's game against the Patriots. Half the time this year, their offense has been good. But the other half is the issue, and that needs to come around before they're a great team. Now, can they be a playoff team doing that? I think they can. I think if they're a very good offense half the time and their defense is always great, I think you can make the playoffs. I think you almost should make the playoffs, given what the AFC's been so far. Let's go to Cal. Cal, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Good. How you guys doing? Good, good. Taking my call. Sure. Um, I, I like to analyze. I analyze, I analyze 
particular part when I watch football, especially the Bills. One thing I've analyzed over the past few years is just the pass protection. Obviously, Allen, he got the footwork to move around the pocket, but in my own opinion, I believe that um, we most definitely need better alignment. If you look at Tom Brady, that's why he's still in the league because he barely gets sacked. Um, I see that we are working towards it, but if you look at last year, Josh Allen got sacked you know, and got hurt. Why is that? Because he kept moving. He kept getting hit and stuff like that. Um, there's no doubt that we should have won that game. Uh, if you look at the first three games, you know, the offense has not been consistent, and we should have blew every team out, even the Patriots. We were moving the ball. We are moving the ball. You know, it's just Allen, you know, throwing a couple of picks and getting, you know, us getting turnovers. Also, I believe Allen getting hurt cost us that game because if Matt Barkley's not a mobile quarterback. So third, we on a three third, uh, we on a third yard line. Okay, that's his. That's, I believe that's Josh Allen prime right there, where he could have ran it in or moved around enough to find an open receiver. So that's what I thought, and him not being there in that crucial moment definitely cost us the game. Because if you look back at the Jets, yeah. look at what he did. We came back. You know, that's a, that's a good point. He right now is their biggest. He's their best red zone weapon. Yes. You're absolutely right. It's maybe not red zone weapon, but like inside the five, like inside the ten, like when they get around the goal line, uh, that's a good point. So yeah, that is something that they'll miss for sure. And that's part of the reason, even though I'm not ready to say that it's a massive uh, loss, if Barkley is in instead of Allen, it is a loss. And that's part of the reason. They could not score. They couldn't punch it in when they really needed to. They would have won the game. I, I think I agree with that. I think if Allen, I don't know if Allen makes that throw to John Brown, though. That's the problem. But if he does, and they get in around the goal line, I think they punch it in. He is deadly inside the five. Whether they call a passing play or a designed run to Allen, like that, he rem- that is where he most reminds me of Cam Newton. A lot of things remind me of Cam Newton with Allen, but that is one, though, for sure. Young Cam Newton was always used as a direct snap, like a, a designed quarterback run. Like He was a red zone weapon. And Carolina used him as such. And they weren't afraid to use him as such. And the Bills do that with Allen. So that is a good point. That's one uh, thing they would be missing out on. Let's go to Mike. Mike, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hey, Joe. How are you, man? Good. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I, I just wanted to touch on the hit on Allen and the headshot. I, I, I think my guy is right. If 12 would have got the same shot from our players, they would have seen suspension and a fine. And number two, what do you think about this, the Bills keeping it quiet. Let's say Josh is actually okay and he he, he hurries through the concussion protocol. It's it would it not be a competitive advantage for Tennessee not to know who's starting Barkley or I, I kind of like I like that idea as a thought. I don't know if that has any weight to it or the Bills would even do that, but I I would love to see that. I think that's what they will do. Uh, I think that if Allen was out of the protocol right now, they would. I, I think they won't want to tell or make it public until the last moment possible. You know what I mean? But the other thing is, unless you're going to straight up lie on the injury report and you want him to practice, then you've got to say he's out of the protocol or you got to say he's progressing in the protocol. So maybe they can try to dance around it a little bit, but, you know, teams prepare for everything in this league. Don't they always say that? Teams prepare for everything. How much does it matter? Really? How much does it really matter? How about, it matters more who's going to be delivering accurate passes on Sunday. 
That's really it. That's what I care more about. Um, and on your point on the hit, I I think that I think there is a point to be made that if it's Brady, and I don't think that hit deserved to be suspendable. I don't even think the guy deserved to be ejected. I think he was careless. I thought he was reckless with his head, but I didn't need him to be thrown out of that game. But I will acknowledge that if that's Brady getting hit, <laughs> you know, something that 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 can influence things. And I think that maybe uh, whoever the Bills player would have been the did the same thing, would have been tossed. Let's go to Joe. Joe, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hi. Hi, thanks for having me on. Sure, no problem. Yeah, um, if uh, Barkley is our quarterback, uh, that offensive line has to do a better job than what they've been doing. Uh, uh, Because uh, Allen's so young and he's able to run around, but he was under constant pressure last game and the game before. Yep. Uh, they just are not pass-blocking very well. They have to figure out something uh, to counter the the, uh, the oncoming defensive uh, guys coming in there because uh, Barkley will just get killed. Uh, he's a pocket guy. Uh, he's not going to be able to run around like that. So hopefully, if he starts, they'll have some kind of remedy, uh, quick pass, uh, uh, quick... Uh, Screen passes, maybe, you would hope. Screens, you know, things like that. Uh, that's my comment there. Second, um, the uh, hit that you just talked about, I, I just I, I think the guy should have at least been ejected. I thought that when after he hit him, he stood over him, and it looked like to me like he was taunting him. Maybe I'm wrong, but it looked to me like he had his head down and his arm was stretched out. He, it looked like he was like, yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, I didn't. I thought he should have been ejected. I did not see that. Hey, thanks for the call, man. Um, I also wasn't looking for it, so I don't know. I'm going to actually watch the replay live with you here and see if I can see the same thing. So there's the hit. It is helmet to helmet, 100%, but he doesn't leave his feet. He doesn't launch, and... Nah. Yeah, a little bit. He does it a little bit, but I... not. it's not... I don't think it's overkill. To be fair, so I guess you could get mad about that, but I wouldn't blame you for it. But I, I didn't have a problem with that either. I, I feel like I'm not going to blame any fan for being mad about that hit. It's your star quarterback or your starting quarterback, I should say, at this point, getting knocked out of the game by a New England Patriot. <laughs> All right, that's going to fire up anybody. I mean, that's a huge Bills fan. I get it. But if we're trying to be right on this, and you're looking at a hit like the perfect hit. That is suspendable. That is ejectable. That is launching with the crown of your helmet to a defenseless guy on the ground. This is not the same. This is Allen straight up. He's standing straight up. This is a player. By the way, it's third and eight. They're right around the first down marker. The player is holding his ground, the defender. He tries to lean in with his shoulder, but he doesn't really, he doesn't go for it all the way, and he's reckless, and he hits him in the head. Do I think he aimed for the head? I don't really think he did, but that doesn't mean he wasn't careless, and that doesn't mean he didn't deserve a penalty. But it also doesn't mean he deserved to be ejected. That's my opinion on it. And just standing over him, it's hard. It's there, but barely. Uh, let's go to let's go to who is next? Mike. Mike, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hello. Yep. Go ahead. You're on the air. Oh, how you doing? Good. Uh, how are you? Listen. Good. Um, I was wondering, can they put Jay Jones back on the practice squad and bring up Duke Williams? They could, but they're never. They would never get him there. A, a former second round pick like that, someone would pick him up just because of his draft status, just to see. Very 
I mean, he's so unproductive. I mean, I'd rather see two games just give him a shot, even for one game. I mean, he's like something they can I, do. Yeah. I'm at, I'm at the thanks for the call, Mike. I'm at the point too where I'd rather see Duke Williams. Here's the th- other thing: if you want to put Zay Jones on the practice squad, call it a day. It's over. If you need to be putting your former second round pick on the practice squad, it's not going to work. There's no point. So, yeah, I, I'm ready to see Duke Williams too. I was ready to see him honestly at the beginning of the season. I wanted Zay Jones cut, and I didn't think he deserved to make this roster. I thought he only made the roster because he was a former second round pick. I thought Isaiah McKenzie. I said this multiple times before the 53-man roster cut. I think Isaiah McKenzie is a better football player than Zay Jones. Straight up. And why was one completely safe on the roster while the other had to battle and work his you-know-what off to make the team? Because one was a second-round pick and one was a sixth-round pick. And one part of the Bills organization that liked them to become more like the Patriots is the Patriots don't care about that stuff. Or they seemingly don't care about that stuff. James White was a first-round pick last year. The guy's hardly getting the ball for them in the backfield. they got a former six-round pick and James White getting the ball. They've got a former was it Rex Burkhead undrafted. Like They're just throwing guys. Brandon Bolden scores a touchdown yesterday. He's a special teamer. They don't care about draft status. And the Bills don't always, but this is one situation where I can't, there's nothing else that can be said. There's no other reason why he's still on the field. Next up is Nick. Nick, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? What's up, guys? Listen, I got a couple of points. First of all, they call us armchair quarterbacks. You know, it's easy to make a call. We warned the Bills about Corey Bohorquez the whole week before. He's been inconsistent the whole year, and sure enough, the Patriots knew it, and they worked us, and they knew where our weak spot was, and they went after us, and they struck Pater, which ended up being the difference in the game. Special teams mean so much. And they just won up this. And we actually we got Bohorquez from New England, so they must have known the kid's slow or something because they full-out rushed us that day. And another thing is, I don't know why the Bills are pussyfooting around with the... Whoa. All right. Nick, you were doing all right there for a little bit, but let's keep going. Let's go to Brandon. Brandon, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Not bad. Um, I want to disagree with you with the Zay Jones, or as I call him, Stonehenge Jones um, point, but I completely disagree with you on the it doesn't matter um, game planning when it comes to who our quarterback is. I think the Bills have a very fortunate kind of setup where it's one of those things where everything has to fall into place in order for our offense to be um, successful. And I think with um, the line that we have and the way that they have this game plan, they have to account for um, Josh uh, Josh Allen and his running ability, they have to account for that, so they have to dedicate resources to that. Similar to back when we had Tyrod Taylor versus when we put in Nathan Peterman and they got the five pick. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I would love to um, say that we could sit back and like, kind of quarterback has to kind of sit back and pick apart a defense throwing the ball accurately, but I just don't think they're not, they're, they're not going to have the time to do it, which is kind of what the Patriots um, used against us at the end of this game uh, this past Sunday. They just Ran right after, um, um, but I forgot where the quarterback is. Aaron, I think, or something like that. But um, either way, right. Um, so I think we have we have a good formula when Josh is in. When he's out, then it kind of it's going to fall apart. But um, I think well, that's all I really got to say. All right, man. All right, thanks. Thanks for the call. I don't completely disagree with you. Um, I do think there's something to be said for it. I just think I I, I guess I don't want to fully go with it. Doesn't matter at all. 
but I don't think it matters nearly as much as how the quarterback actually performs. I think in-game adjustments happen all the time. I think the teams will prepare for almost anything anyway. Like, you, you kind of know what to do. The Patriots prepared for Josh Allen last week, right? Well, once Matt Barkley come, came in, other than that one throw to John Brown, his first throw, they didn't have any problems, really. They didn't prepare for Matt Barkley. They did fine. So, to me, to think the Titans won't prepare for Josh Allen because he might not play, or they'll have to add... It, it, it would be different if it was the other way around. You know what I mean? If Barkley was the starter and Allen was the backup, and Barkley is this pocket passer, and that's who you got to prepare for, Allen is something different. Allen is something else you have to prepare for. The Titans are going to prepare for Allen no matter what. So... I guess that's part of your point, though. So I don't know. I don't really know how I feel about it. 803 is the phone number. Thanks for the calls. We'll get to hockey in a little bit. Uh, there is a map out there right now of every state's favorite candy, and there are some doozies on there. There are some disrespectful candies on this map, and uh, there's one that's not even a candy, and it's not even close to a candy. You can't even argue that it is one. We'll get to that in a, in a second here. On the nightcap on WGR. Absolutely love the defense. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that against Tom Brady and the Patriots on Sunday. That was stunning. And look, the Bills have had a good defense for a while, and they've done a nice job against the Patriots, but not like that. I mean, not not like three and out after three and out after three and out. That was crazy. I mean, that was really, really crazy. Uh, so that's the big positive, I think, again. Ross Tucker from Radio.com on with Chopin the Bulldog earlier. Catch that on demand at WGR550.com. We'll get, I don't have a lot of time here, so we'll get to the uh, the candy map that I talked about in the uh, in the next segment right at the top of the hour here. Uh, let's squeeze a couple calls in, though, before we get to that. Let's go to Jeff. Jeff, you're first on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, it was actually about the candy map. You mentioned baked beans earlier? Yes. Yeah, are you sure it's not Boston baked beans? Because that's a candy at it, 10 cents a whole. It just says baked beans, man. It's got to be Boston baked beans. It must be. I, I'm not even really familiar with bake, with uh, with Boston baked beans, but I'll trust that you're right on that. Uh, 803-0550, as I said, we'll get to the candy thing in just a second here. Let's go to Curtis. Curtis, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, what's up, Joe? How you doing, man? Good. How are you? All right. Hey, you got to try Boston baked beans. You're the bomb. <laughs> what, 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 am I, what are we talking about here? Like, What do they taste like? Are these chocolate? Well, I'm calling about the uh, the bill. Okay. I was driving like, home, and I was listening to you, and you are talking about how, uh, 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 how Damon wants to open up the offense, and I feel the same way. But with that, it's like you get a new phone for his first couple of days. You're like, man, how do I get it? To, how, how do I get it to do like this? You know, I used to be able to do this with my old phone. Then it takes you a couple of days. I think that's how it is with him trying to figure out and get uh, Allen to figure out the offense. And you were right about that. He has to stop the turnover. I feel that once they absolutely get on the same page, he can go a little bit further into the playbook. You know, and, and like, yeah. I agree with you. I like Gore in there over Singletary. Of course, that's going to be like an uh, well, outstanding. Well, I, I didn't say I like Gore over Singletary, but I do think Gore's doing a really good job, and I don't think they need Singletary necessarily. Right. I, I You know, I I like him in there, the, the, the change of pace, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at too. Curtis, thanks for the call. Like, Singletary is more dynamic. They're doing fine without him. I like him being on this team, and I love him being on this team because he's a guy that might be here for the next three, four years doing this, not 36 like Gore. 
Not 31 like McCoy was. Not even, uh, how old was Marcus Murphy? 28? Like, this is a guy that's going to be here. And this is a guy that could be really, really good with upside and Singletary. But, as I said, the way Gore and Yeldon are playing right now, I don't need to rush him back. I do want him back. He is a luxury at this point to have. You know what I mean? He is, he, maybe that's where your screen game is gone. You'd like Singletary to be that guy. Um, so maybe he does come back and he plays into that. I'll get into this, this, uh, I gotta do some more research on Boston baked beans, which I've never had. Is that, su- is that surprising? Cause I'm like a candy addict, pretty much. So, I've never had them. They must not be that good if I've never had them. 803 is the phone number. We'll get into the Sabres in the second hour as well here on WGR. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. I think he's kind of a boob. Ken's really taking the day south as a person. Can't go out there and be a moron. It doesn't work like that. The Nightcap. We're eating their food. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Let's get right into it. I got a map here of candy. So, should I do this here? New York, by the way, respectable choice. A respectable choice for New York. Pixie sticks, which is essentially just sugar. But, you know, well done. There are a couple problems with this list here, or this map. If you haven't seen it, there there's some weird ones. It doesn't make any sense. And by the way, it's not just favorite candy. It's favorite movie candy by state. Unofficial. It's, it's based on, uh, let's see, based on social media. Pixie sticks in New York. Look, there's, you got you got M&Ms around a bunch of states, Skittles, Reese's Pieces, something called wax bottles that Alaska and Hawaii seem to like. Cookie dough bites in D.C. It's that's that's respectable. It's the best one on here. A uh, bunch of crunch is good. You got that in a couple states. Now we got some problems. Black licorice. What are we doing? Come on, Idaho, Texas, South Carolina. Get get it together. At least that's arguably a candy, right? Holy cow with North Dakota. It just, it's baked beans. I, I looked. It's not Boston baked beans. It's baked beans. What? Come on. Who goes to a movie and eats baked beans? It's got, right, doesn't it have to be Boston baked beans? But it's not. I'm going on the assumption it's not because that's not what it says. I'm going based on what it says. Could you imagine going to the movies? Like Joker is the big movie right now, right? Like I'm looking forward to seeing that. Imagine you go to see Joker, and it's packed because it's a, it's a it's a good movie. Like this is the one people have been waiting to see it, and you're sitting down and you're sitting next to your buddy or maybe one of your your, uh, your friend or whatever on the right, and there on your left there's some stranger. He's sitting next to you, and he's just got a bowl of baked beans, and he's just going ham out. He's just going ham. What? That there's some other ones on here, Wisconsin. Maybe this is, is this a very Wisconsin thing? Craft cheese slices. <laughs> like, come on. I know they like cheese, but really? You go to a movie in Wisconsin and people are just eating slices of cheese? I mean, maybe. And then you've got, uh, where is it? Delaware or is this Connecticut? Connecticut's got raisins, and that's a joke. Come on. It's not even raisinets. It says raisins. 
Circus Peanuts in Massachusetts. I mean, what what are you doing there? Candy Corn in a bunch of states. I'm, I'll defend Candy Corn, but it does not deserve to be uh, in a movie theater like that. I don't know what wax bottles are. They sound disgusting. Raisinets in uh, Oklahoma, terrible. Junior Mints in Arkansas, terrible. Like, what are these states doing? Candy Dots in Arizona? They're just They're just sugar that they stick to paper. That's it. There's nothing creative about it. Necco wafers in Utah, I, I got some problems here. Only a few states did this right, to be honest. Bunch of Crunch is good. That's Montana. Good job. Maine, good job. Pixie Sticks in New York and Louisiana. I approve. Missouri with Sour Patch Kids. How is Missouri the only state to have Sour Patch Kids number one? How is that possible? You're telling me more, more states like Black Licorice than Sour Patch Kids? California likes dots. Those are annoying. They just get stuck in your teeth. Uh, Tootsie Rolls are boring. Nice job, Mississippi or Alabama. Um, Almond Joy, terrible. Where's Snickers? There's no Snickers on here. There's no Twix. Twix. How is that not represented? Kit Kat. Like, when we're looking at the chocolate bars, where are they? They're nowhere. Banana Laffy Taffy in, uh, in New Jersey. The worst of the Laffy Taffy. Banana is by far the worst Laffy Taffy. It shouldn't, it's not even debatable. Horrible. It's the one, you give away candy at Halloween, or like you put the bowl down, for instance, like on the porch, because you're too lazy to give away candy on Halloween, or maybe you just can't, maybe you went to a party or something. You come back at the end of the night, and you look in that bowl, and there's only banana Laffy Taffy left in that bowl. That's it. No one's picking banana over cherry. Jersey, terrible. Phone lines are lighting up right now. I'm sorry, guys. I, I don't have a producer here at the moment, so I can't really, I can't take your calls. I'm sure they're all ready to rip me uh, limb from limb here to on something. They tell me how great black licorice is. What? Junior Mints. <laughs> what? It's terrible. It's terrible. Where's, where's the Skittles? Where's Snickers? Where's even Three Musketeers? Which, you know, it's like an average candy bar. It's all right. Better than Werther's in North Carolina. Oh, my goodness. It's terrible. Lemonhead's respectable, though. Good job, Delaware. Or is that uh, Rhode Island? They're small states. Yeah, Delaware. Uh, that's Rhode Island. Baked beans in North Dakota. How is that a candy? How is Kraft cheese slices a candy? You can't tell me someone goes to a movie with Kraft cheese slices. I won't believe you. I don't care. I don't care if Wisconsin, it's, it's all about it. It'd be like, Chicken Wings isn't New York. Is, is Chicken Wings the most popular movie candy by state in Buffalo? Everything's a candy now. If you're eating it in a movie theater, it's a candy. Come on. Let's get it together. This map that, uh... Put it together here. It's Deadspin, maybe? I think it's Deadspin. Um, wow. Terrible. Terrible. The best movie candies is easy. The best movie candies are Bunch of Crunch, all right, Skittles. They got to be packaged, and they got to be one by one. You got to, to me, what I like to do, you get the popcorn, you get it ready to go, a little butter over the top. You take, you can do this with Milk Duds, you can do this with Reese's Pieces, you could do this with uh, any, like, chocolate chocolate thing like that 100 grand by the way did deserve to be on this list you dump it in the popcorn 
So I like to go with the, like the the package, like bite size, uh, something like that. Like it could be M and M's. I go for the peanut butter M and M's. My that's my that's right up my alley. Or the pretzel M and M's. But Junior Mints, come on! What is going on in this country where I've got a Necco wafers? They even exist anymore? When's the last time you saw a Necco wafer? Any kid that gets a Necco wafer in their uh, Halloween bag is disappointed in you. Just know that. Just know that. If you're handing out Necco wafers on wafers on Halloween, kids aren't coming back to your house next year. They shouldn't be. All right. That's enough on that. I want to get I want to get in on the Sabres next. So I'll take your calls. Uh, I'll take a break here. If you want to get in any thoughts here on what I just had to say on the on the movie Candy by State, uh, then you're welcome to at 803-0550. But I am going to switch to hockey and get to the Sabres. I want to go over the roster as we're getting up on uh, opening night. Some of the line combinations that are going on right now that involve Vladimir Sabotka that are just outrageous. Uh, we'll get to that and more after this. On the nightcap, Jody Biasi here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. We're going to do mostly hockey for the rest of the show from here on out. We're going to hear from Sabre head coach Ralph Kruger in just a second. Before I go in on the lineup decisions and the lines that are going on right now, we'll hear from the coach, let him get his piece in first. Uh, Before we do that, though, one last call on the Bills. Let's go to Butch in Buffalo. Butch, you're on the Nightcap. How's it going, man? Oh. Joe, thanks a lot for taking my call. Great sure thing. Show as usual. Thanks. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a WGR fan for decades. Oh yeah. I just really want to touch base. So I want you to look at something. I've been watching this uh, our offense for the last since preseason, and I understand that Brian Dable is some of sidelines because he's tutoring, tutoring Josh Allen. Last year we didn't have a quarterback coach. This year we have Ken Dorsey, who's a great quarterback coach. I really believe that Brian Dable go upstairs and look down on the field, put Josh Allen in the right play system, I think we'd be better off. Ken Dorsey can do his job and translate exactly what Brian Dable wants from upstairs, downstairs, to uh, uh, Josh Allen. I don't, want, I, don't want Josh, I don't want him to lose Josh Allen. Don't get me wrong, I understand the tongue lashing with last week, which was def- definitely deserved, but at the same time, you got a guy, Ken Dorsey, who's very knowledgeable, who worked with Josh Allen all off season that can translate everything Brian Dable wants to say. So I think moving forward, if you see that, uh, if Brian Dable could go upstairs in the box, look at what the play call is so the plays don't come in late, we can move forward with this. Thanks, Joe, for taking that last call. I love you, man. Sure. Thanks, man. Appreciate the call. Um, yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, I don't really know how it would work. I'm not sure how much it matters, but uh, you seem to feel pretty strongly about it, so I guess uh, you can ride with it. You can see what happens. Ideally, I think that's where you want to end up being, right? You want your court. You want to be able to trust your quarterback enough where your offensive coordinator can not have to worry about it. And young quarterbacks, that's not really ever going to happen. So they're still in that learning phase. Will they ever get out of it? We'll see. All right, let's get into the Sabers. Uh, Ralph Kruger spoke today on the team, on the roster, also on the coaching staff. He starts off with that, but uh, right after we get to, uh, after we finish up with the coach here, let him speak his piece on what the team looks like right now. I got some thoughts on what the opening lineup is. Uh, predicted to look like right now. So let's go to Ralph Kruger, Sabre head coach here. I'd like to begin by speaking to you about uh, Don Granado and that, uh, you know, he's been, the curve is in the right direction and we're optimistic that he will recover fully from this setback, but, and he's in, he's in very good medical hands and uh, 
you know, we're, we're pleased that Chris Taylor can fill that hole for the time being. He was with and part of our training camp and understands everything we need to do here. So it's, a, it's um, you know, that, that's to the Don Granado situation. And I'd also like to send our thoughts out to Jeremy White and his wife today on their loss. I think uh, it's a time to, to mention that and um, the Sabres family is definitely with them in spirit. So go ahead on your thoughts to the hockey world. Well, the willingness to question things as much as the willingness to then support the process when we're out there. So we've had, we've had wonderful debates, Chris Taylor and I, through you know this these last six weeks especially, and uh, just enjoy continuing those. And he understands what we're doing here more than anything, and also knows some of these players very well from them having gone through the process of working through Rochester into the National Hockey League. So on multiple levels, he, you know, he, he's easy, easy guy to slip in here. Are those 22 guys on the ice going to Pittsburgh? So that, that would be the group uh, going to Pittsburgh, yes. Yeah, of course. Extremely pleased. I mean, I'm extremely pleased with the group we have here, and I'm extremely pleased, as you've heard from the last weeks, about the pressure that uh, they all know still exists uh, with our group in Rochester and the and the and the excellent players that that moved that way yesterday and uh, you know we're pleased everybody cleared waivers so the pressure continues but this group of 22 we're extremely pleased with we have lots of tools in the bag and uh, how that final roster will look and how the final m- makeup will look uh, we will you know we won't decide till game day yeah. For Victor Olofsson, what have you liked as you've gotten to know him throughout yeah. all the camps and this main camp? I mean, just the you know the maturity of him. I think having played in the Swedish Elite League, then coming over here, and then uh, you know e- evolving into what North America needs, his game, the responsive, the responsible side of him is something I think that's really exciting. He's very responsible without the puck, but he's also responsible with it, and and just shows a maturity there that allows him to play on a top line and to uh, you know we we all see his shooting ability, we all know the scoring threat, but as coaches, we're extremely excited about uh, what he does away from the puck and how hard he and smart he works on that side. Well, as everybody knows, we have limits to the numbers here, and it uh, becomes a numbers game, and uh, he's right there. He wouldn't have been here until yesterday without having had an excellent camp, and we thought he evolved in the right direction. He simplified when need needed to in the second half of training camp. We're excited about his future. I mean, Tage uh, has, has nothing but an exciting future ahead, and, and I've mentioned it so many times that, that uh, we will need – all these players that were sent down yesterday in some way, shape, or form in the future. So just keep working. 
the way he is, and uh, we've gotten deeper in our roster. We all know that there were acquisitions made in the summer that, that put a hard push on players that were in the roster last year, and uh, let's continue to keep that competition alive with players as strong as Tage. You mentioned Olsen's play away from the puck. Is it important to have a, somebody like that defensively responsible to be paired with, with Jack and Sam, not only free them up, but yeah. also to sort of complement their skill set in that regard? I mean, the exciting thing for me is that all three of them actually have that side. Sam is working extremely hard uh, when we don't have the puck. And Jack, as everybody knows, I mean, our, our winning goals in the last two games that he was a part of were created by a forecheck on Jack's part and not on some brilliant offensive play. It, was, it did follow, but it was his defensive pressure on the puck which created it. So the willingness of all three of those guys to play, it frees them up whatever pair happens to be in an offensive opportunity knows that he's got backup and also the defenseman playing with them will be able to activate more. So it's the line in general that's, that's showing a, a very, very mature game and we're excited to see it grow into the future as they develop some synergies. Yeah, I mean, it was a look today. Again, we we won't be announcing the way we're playing until till game day. But uh, there's no question that uh, with Marcus new back into the center position, uh, it's it's it you know with Vladimir there, it gives him some comfort. And also on faceoffs, he's got support. And uh, the way they can interchange within that unit uh, also frees Jeff up to do the things that he's good at. So uh, you know, both both Vladimir and and Marcus are outstanding in, in puck control and puck movement, uh, and and we see that combination as a possible line. Is there an update on Zach He just continues to to go through our processes off ice. We we don't have a fixed timeline on it. You know, he had a few setbacks in the summer, so we're being extremely careful. And he's he's in good hands, working hard, but still uh, a ways away from from being part of any practice with us. Because of this. Yeah. on that line. Have you noticed a difference in him personally in your dealings? Like, does, does he see this yeah. opportunity, yeah. and do you see that in him, that his eyes are wider open? Well, I think, I think he's, he's evolved during camp, too, uh, starting uh, not so sure about uh, where his place was in the group to then seeing being started at wing and at center, playing power play in one game and penalty killing most of the rest. And I think that he feels his versatility is a huge asset for us and uh, the face-offs to boot. So have I noticed a difference? No, I, I just think his curve has been in the right direction and, uh, you know, he's been rewarded for that. Is Montour close to joining practice? So he's, he's skating very hard, but, uh, but we would say still a few weeks away from actually joining any type of contact because of the you know, complexity of the injury. There he is. There is Sabres head coach Ralph Kruger. Some stuff on the lineup there. Uh, good on him to mention the Jeremy White uh, at the beginning there. Obviously, thoughts go out to him and everything this morning. If you didn't catch Jeremy on this morning, it was really powerful. I thought he did a really good job um, explaining what what has happened, his story over the last week. So you can find that on demand at WGR550.com. So on the Sabre lineup, though, let's, let's get to that. Um, you mentioned Olofsson in there. He is, he's like the one player I'm most excited about this season. It feels like a lot's riding on him, though, being really good. And you don't want to be in that spot. You don't want to rely on a rookie coming in and saving everything. Um, it just come, it comes 
down to me. I don't know if I can fully get on board with this coach. And I, this is my guy. Like, this is the guy I wanted the Sabres to hire. He is smart. He is analytical. He is a leader. He wrote a book on it. He, and smart, by the way. I should always mention when you, you say Ralph Kruger is smart that he's on the World Economic Forum. Holy cow. If he can't figure out that Sam Reinhart needs to start this season playing center, he might lose me. I think it is just the simplest thing that needs to be done and it's so obvious where they are right now the argument to be made for Reinhardt to be a center to me is so obvious and I don't want to keep mentioning the same thing over and over but though the same logic applies what is more important right now for them to have a 65 point winger or a 50 point center and I know it's a big drop off but I would argue in a runaway, it's a 50-point center. They have wingers. They have respectable wingers. Especially if Olsen comes in and looks good. If he comes in and looks good, then there's definitely no there's no reason not to do this. Johansson is good. Skinner is great. VC is alright. Sherry's alright. Rodriguez is a natural winger. He's good. You've got depth. And you've got more depth in the organization with that. You could go down to Rochester for C.J. Smith or Tage Thompson, like, and wingers are easier to find. So, I should have a easier, a much easier time today replacing what Reinhardt gives me on the wing. That's easier to find than replacing what he would do for me at center. If he had a 15-point drop, and that's just an arbitrary number that I'm making up, but if that was the case... And I can't imagine he'd be worse than that. You can't tell me that if you put him with some good wingers, like if it's Jeff Skinner or if it's Olofsson or if it's even Sherry and VC, whoever it is, you can't tell me that the way that guy has developed into a player that has become a puck carrier as well as a guy who sits in front of the net, a playmaker, he's pretty well-versed in his offensive game. And he's pretty responsible defensively too. Sure, faceoffs aren't great. Everything else, he has re he has become the player that he needed to become to go back to the middle. I didn't think he got there. I didn't think in the first couple years I was I was a big Reinhardt critic. I didn't think he was the type of player that could play at center in the NHL. I didn't think he became it. But last year, a huge step forward for him. He was generating his own offense to a level he had not done before. That is something that you need a center to do. Well, he's doing it now. This coach needs to figure that out. He needs to figure it out quick. And how he has not figured out through an entire training camp that Vladimir Sabotka cannot be on this roster is mind-boggling to me. We'll see. Maybe he won't actually be on the team. Maybe you. I'd like to think in my own head here, that Sabotka practicing on the second line is just a place filler for someone that would actually do it. But if they show up Thursday and Vladimir Sabotka is on their top six, or is play, if he's playing on the same line as Jeff Skinner, my God, a $9 million winger and you're pairing him with what was statistically the worst player in hockey last season. Still on the team. There are some obvious, there are some layups for this coach to figure out. And it's not trending in the right direction for that early on. 
And they haven't played any games yet, so I don't want to freak out. But I'm a little worried. I am a little worried that this coach is not going to figure it out. Because he's got to. If they don't manage the roster almost perfectly this year, I don't think they're making the playoffs. They're below average in goal. They are below average past Jack Eichel at center, especially if you're not going to have Reinhardt do it. They are good at wing, and we'll see on the D. That's not a playoff team. you got to manage it perfectly. Ralph Kruger will have a hell of a job in front of him. If they make the playoffs, that guy deserves to be coach of the year. By the way, odds came out today on that. Ralph Kruger, sixth from the bottom, 33-1. to I take that. I, I kind of like that. If they were good this year, he would he would get the Jack Adams award for sure. Well, for sure, depending on what else happens around the league, but he would be a candidate for it, especially in this division. Look around. Toronto, Tampa, Boston, Florida is going to be really good. They're going to be legit, I think. And if you can hang with those guys, then this coach will get a lot of credit from me. But I don't think that happens if Sam Reinhardt's not your second-line center. Or, of course, if you were to find one some other way, which right now would just be via trade. And that's a Ristolainen trade. It's a Ristolainen and probably and something else trade, given what Justin Falk got traded for. So we'll see if Bottrell can work his magic. Because if Bottrell can't work his magic, then Ralph Kruger's going to have to work his magic. Put 23 down the middle. It's a layup. It's the easiest thing they could do. Now, I will say this. They're doing a poor man's version of that. They're putting Johansson at center. And I do... Him being down the middle makes me a little optimistic that they'll get to Reinhardt at center. Because that's the same type of logic. Hey, is Johansson best on down the middle? No. But, is he better than my alternative? If that's the case, then we need to put the team in front of the individual. We need to put the Sabres' points in the standings ahead of Marcus Johansson's points. And the worst thing you can do is try. And try it on. Because that was something they didn't do last year. That was something Housley did not do. And that was something that was very frustrating. As it started to unwind. As they got further and further away from the 10-game win streak. And it started to fall apart quicker and quicker. They didn't try anything. It was the same thing over and over and over and over and over. It was Reinhardt with Eichel and Skinner. It was Sabotka on the roster. It was Larson on the roster. It was Hutton and Allmark. All of it was the same. They didn't change anything. They didn't try anything. They didn't try to make a move. They didn't try any drastic lineup changes. Nothing. Ristolainen, for the most part, was still your number one defenseman. Nothing happened. They switched Ristolainen and Dahlin as the top pair Power play defenseman. But that, that that's a layup too. So I don't know how much credit I want to give Housley. I don't need to be berating Housley here. He got fired for it. But I just don't want that to happen again. Especially at the start of the year. Because there's not a lot of hope going into the season. There's not a lot. There's some. I still think there's some reason to believe they could be a playoff team this season. But it's not likely. It's definitely not likely. They would need Eichel to make that McKinnon jump that I talk about a lot. They would need Eichel to be a 100-point player what McDavid was a couple years ago for the Oilers when they made it. Because that wasn't a perfect roster that McDavid took to the playoffs. In fact, he almost went to the Western Conference Finals. That is the Eichel that needs to show up. He needs to be a 100-point player, I think. And is that fair to expect out of him? It's not fair to expect, but I think it's fair to believe that he has it in, He has that in there. I really do. I think you give him the proper line mates... And you give him the proper team, and you give him the defenseman that can get him the puck finally, which I think they have now. 
And I think that that player is in there. I think that jump is in there for him. And they might need that. Because if you look at teams around the league, like what if you did the math on how much offensive production your entire center group gives you, Eichel is not getting a lot of help behind him. Middle stat doesn't seem ready yet for a role like that. Larson's giving you nothing offensively. Saboka gives you nothing offensively. Rodriguez gives you a little if he's playing center, but that's about it. It's like it's all Eichel. It's all Eichel. So, where do you put him? I put him down the middle, but or not not uh, not Eichel. I'd put him with Skinner or Olafson, give him one good sniper, and then give him like a net front guy or a speed guy. That could be Sherry, that could be VC. Balance out the lines a little bit more. And you know what I would do? If I'm the coach, which I'm not, and there's a very good reason for that, but if I'm the coach and I'm going into Thursday night, my lines are Jack Eichel, Victor Olafson, and Connor Sherry. That's one line. My second line if you even want to call it a second line, is Reinhardt at center with Jeff Skinner and Marcus Johansson. That is a legit top six. Legit. 803-0550 is the phone number. Talk about the blue line a little bit when we come back and we'll continue on with the Sabres. What do you expect from them this season? I don't have a lot more venting to do on them. I think that was pretty much it on me. We'll see. We'll see once the games start. I'm sure I'll have some more content to chew on there. But realistically, how hopeful can you be for this Sabre season? Because they're 0-0, and and a lot of times fans like to be optimistic going into a year, and it's it's – it's a little tough to get optimistic, I think, for them this year. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi. Keep the calls rolling here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. We got about 10 minutes here. Last call. If you want to call in, 803-0550 is the way to do that. Some last thoughts on the Sabres from me in just a moment, but first I want to get to Victor Olofsson, who spoke with Paul Hamilton today. You might have missed that. We have yet to play it on the station. It's on demand at WGR550.com, but I'll play that for you here. Victor Olofsson, a player a lot of Sabre fans are intrigued with, so if you want to get in on the conversation or you got any uh, last-second thoughts on the Sabres, call in the next couple minutes. We'll get you on right after this interview. Victor Olofsson with our own Paul Hamilton. I imagine with the preseason you had, where you, you probably weren't real nervous wondering if you are going to make the team, were you? Um... I was a little bit nervous for sure. Um, the, obviously, this was my uh, my goal uh, coming into this uh, this season, my, my uh, short short term goal. Um, and uh, I'm very happy I made a team, and, uh, and I'm just gonna keep continuing playing my game. We all watch you score goals. We know you can do that. But how has your overall game evolved? Is it better? Do you still need work on it? How is the overall game? Um, obviously, I need to work on work on everything. Um, I feel like I've been uh, improving uh, a lot uh, um, from the start of last year uh, over over the last season, and uh, kind of picked up where I uh, where I um, left off. Um, so I feel like my overall game is pretty good right now. Um, still, still need to, to work on everything though, um, uh, especially my my defensive play. Um, but but I feel confident all over the ice. What's improved the most in the last year? I mean, you came to North America probably pretty close to ready for this, but I mean. There's been a lot of improvement over the last year. Um, yeah, um, I feel like uh, my game without the puck uh, has been a lot better. I'm uh, 
I'm uh, trying to be uh, a little bit uh, more on the inside and uh, closer to the net all the time, uh, which makes me a more of a threat um, um, uh, all the time. So, uh, especially my my uh, game without the puck. How valuable was that experience that you got up here last year? Um, it was. Uh, I think it was really important for me to uh, kind of know what to expect coming into camp this year and. Uh, I felt like it, it helped me to uh, be a lot more uh, calm and confident um, coming into this year. It's also helped that you're probably more comfortable off the ice. I mean, last year was your first year playing in North America. I'm sure getting used to, you know, just the differences. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, it is, and just uh, those games last year really helped me to get, get into the group as well and get to know, uh, know all the guys here, so uh, it, it uh, helped me a lot. There is Victor Olofsson, 803-0550 is the phone number. One uh, spot, he, good, good talk there with him, uh, with Paul Hamilton. One thing that he provides for the Sabres that they didn't really have last year was that one-timer playmaking winger on the other side of Eichel on the power play that can score. And last year, Oposo did it. And Oposo's got a good shot on the power play, but he was on his offside, or he's on the he was on the right side, but... He was he was not on his one timer, and that makes things more difficult when the guy's over there like that. Olafson, the ability to shoot the one timer, the fact that he might have one of the best one timers on the team, he probably does uh, next to Eichel. That's probably it. I'd probably take his over anybody else. That um, they tried Dalene over there, and that's not really his forte. Like he did a, an okay job at it, but he is he's more naturally suited to play at the point of your power play. In fact, he's about as good as it gets on the pony or power play. I think that's where you want him. So to have Olafson on the power play, like that makes that power play unit, that's the best power play unit the Sabres are going to have since 07. I, I would bet. I would bet on it. You have Reinhardt in front of the net, who's great at that. Skinner in the slot, who's great at that. Eichel on the left, he's great in that spot. Dalene at the point, that's as good as it gets. Olafson on the right, if he performs like he might, then you have a complete and nearly perfect top power play unit. Maybe that's how the Sabres are good this year. Maybe they just score a ton of power play goals. But with the NHL, the way it is nowadays, you can't really count on that, I think, uh, always being the case. So, Olafson, yeah. He's the guy to look out for. 803 is the phone number. Let's get John in. John, you're on the night cap. What's up? Hi, thanks for having me on. I heard what you just said about Olafson. I agree 100%. He's going to be a game changer. But what I called in to talk about was the second-line center position, uh, which has been an area of debate for a long time now. We have a guy on our team that has experience at the center position that nobody's talking about for that position, and his name is Jeff Skinner. Think about Eichel and Skinner as a one-two punch at center. You put Skinner between Veezy, um, Hanson. Uh, why aren't we looking at him? I don't understand it. Maybe there's something I don't know. Uh, I'll let you respond and hang up. Uh, okay, uh, John, thanks for the call. I, with all due respect, I'm put this as kindly as I can, I'm pretty sure he's never played center. You know? That's the difference between him and Reinhardt. Reinhardt was drafted as a centerman. The highest level of play in junior hockey. Reinhardt was a center. Remember the World Juniors? Was that here? When he was here. Um, maybe he wasn't. He was in Toronto. Reinhardt, it was in Toronto. Reinhardt plays center for Team Canada. He's their first line center when they win gold. He was a natural center. 
And I'm going to look real quick for you, but I don't think Skinner has played center in his entire life. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, he played wing. He played wing on uh, the Kitchener Rangers in the OHL. So he's just never done it. So, yeah, that that's, that's going to make it a tough one. Part of Johansson and Reinhardt as ideas down the middle is they've done it before. Both in professional hockey and in juniors. Um, Reinhardt, not that much in professional hockey. In fact, almost not at all. But Johansson did for a stretch early in his career. And at this point, you're just looking for a guy to hold down the fort, I think. You're looking for a guy to hold down the fort and hope that middle stat comes along at some point. Doesn't that feel, doesn't it feel like that's what's happening? Is that the Sabres' plan this year? Are we just waiting for Darlene and Middlestat to save them? Because if that's the case, that's a terrible job. I don't. I, I'm not sure it is the case, but if it is, your GM's got to have a little more urgency than that. I mean, this is year three, and they have been just as bad in the first two years under Jason Bottrell as they were under Tim Murray and as they were right before Tim Murray got here. What was he brought here to do? To get them out of the basement. And they went from last to fifth last. Great. One more stinker of a year, and you should be looking for a new general manager. Or you're at least having the conversation about it. Maybe he's on a tightrope to start the next year. But there needs to be... You know, the, the Montour trade is like that, right? The Montour trade is a little bit of urgency. It's, all right, my blue line stinks. I need to make it better, and I need to make it better right now. Here, first-round pick and a good prospect. Here's Gooley. Give me Brandon Montour. And that made their blue line better right away. And for the long term, I think that makes their blue line a lot better right away. We need another trade like that. Three more, maybe. There needs to be more urgency from this team. And to this point... They've got one move to show for it. Everything else is spare parts for guys that other teams didn't want, for the most part. Like, I like the Colin Miller trade, but that's not a huge investment. I like the VC trade, but that's not a huge investment. Even Sherry, you're not giving up almost anything to get him, but that's not a big investment. Something bigger needs to happen. All right, thanks everybody for listening to the show tonight. By the way, a quick announcement: if you didn't uh, check this out on Twitter, if you aren't following me on Twitter at Sneaky Joe WGR, I've got a new podcast, Locked On Sabers. That's right. You might be familiar with the Locked On Podcast Network, and uh, I'll be contributing to them uh, throughout the week. So you can follow along on my Twitter at Sneaky Joe WGR. But that's it for me tonight. I'll be back for a full show tomorrow, and then. 24 hours will be we're 48 hours under 48 hours now from the saber season getting going so let's hope it goes well until tomorrow have a good night and nascar fans stay tuned because you've got nascar live on the way next here on wgr We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. 
Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.